This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. This is episode 115, the fourth episode of our 2022 summer series, covering the seventh and eighth rounds of our mock Dynasty startup draft. If you have not been following along to this point, this is week four and you can find every pick that's been made so far on the website. That's RonnieDuncanStudios.com. I also have a link in the episode description for everyone there that you can follow to check up on how all of these teams are doing. But first, E, how have you been enjoying our summer series so far? It's a fun little exercise, but it's as hard as I thought it was going to be. I've always found that the further on in a draft, the harder it seems to be. And I'm definitely getting notes of that here as well. I mean, even in a redraft setting, usually the middle rounds are some of the hardest ones because you're really deciding some very minute differences between a couple of guys. I think for the most part, everybody has an opinion on the guys that are going in maybe the top three rounds. But once you get into those middle rounds where you can reach maybe a little bit, you've got to figure out where you want to go on quarterback, maybe on tight end. That's where things start to really get dicey as to the differences between certain players. Yeah, I can agree with that hundred percent. And I'm finding that here. I mean, the discussions we've had so far, I think we only have two tight ends off the board to this point, Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, and we just had a run on quarterbacks in this last episode that we did where I think about half the teams in the league have some sort of quarterback. I think five or six of them have gone off the board at this point, but it's going to start becoming a decision that some of the rest of these teams, because I know that the way we're doing this mock startup, this league in particular is a one quarterback league, but you have to figure you need at least one of those star quarterbacks in advance. And despite what your strategy has been for the last several years, I would say most people feel pretty comfortable in a dynasty setting, at least having two quarterbacks, one as a backup, just that they can maybe grow into a position, especially if they don't get one of the younger guys. If they have to settle for a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers later on, they settle for more of a developmental quarterback. Yeah, you're right. I am kind of anti two quarterback. I kind of just roll with one really good one, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. There's still a lot of big names out here, but at this point in the draft, it's, all consensus rankings are out. It's how you feel about a particular person. So I always find it funny when we get to this stage of the draft and someone drafts somebody and someone will comment like reach or something like that. Nobody knows anything at this point. That sounds very familiar. Like you have some history with someone saying that specifically over and over again, and then getting made fun of for years for saying that over and over again. I mean, it's, Our draft, it's any draft that you're in. You always got a couple of wise people like that. So where we left off last, we had 60 players off the board. And if you are interested, again, please visit the new RonnieDuncanStudios.com and click on the Dynasty download page. There should be an updated article on top with the release of this episode where you can view all players that have been taken so far in which round track that throughout the summer as we continue through the series. 
And also you can follow the links in the episode descriptions. I just won't be taking the time anymore to read all 60 names. That being said, here are some of the biggest names still left on the board. The top one being Josh Jacobs, then James Conner, Devontae Smith, Deshaun Watson, which I'm sure we're going to have a conversation about at some point. Maybe we should have it sooner than later tonight. Jahan Dotson, Keenan Allen, Darnell Mooney, Darren Waller, Mike Williams, and George Kittle. So we have two tight ends in that list, and we have one notable quarterback. Maybe let's just get the Deshaun Watson conversation out of the way here. I am very conflicted yet until we really know what the parameters of what we feel is going to be a likely suspension for him is going to be this year. I think there are some people still predicting a full year. I think there are some people that won't be satisfied unless he's just suspended for life, but I don't think that's practical. I think that the most likely outcome is about eight or nine, maybe 10 games, because I don't think they're going to take away I guess what's the new franchise from a franchise quarterback from a fan base that's been tortured for a while. Although I wouldn't say that Browns fans are any less tortured by the, his presence there at all, but they do want to get him eventually on the field because of the talent level when he left, I guess, where are you at in your evaluation for Deshaun Watson as a dynasty prospect? You see, I think that's bullshit too. how he's not, he deserves a year. Like, if he doesn't get anything more than a year, like, I think that's just straight-up bullshit. How the hell can Calvin Ridley get suspended for an entire year for betting small amount of money? Like, that wasn't him, and he's gone for a year. But what I think they're using is just different instances in the NFL in situations like this. Like, in recent history, let's talk about Robert Kraft you know, for the nonsense that he was getting into at the massage parlor, wasn't anything more four to six games or something like that. So the players have that type of leverage on them. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he got less than that, but 24 to whatever accusations that he's got going on and that dude's not going to get anything less than a year. I find complete bullshit. And that's what I'm kind of operating on right now. I know I did offer Um, for Deshaun Watson, just because everyone knows at this point, like I'm kind of throwing this year around. So I'm I'm content with having a quarterback that's not out for a year. But if you are competing and especially with Deshaun Watson, um, how young he still is, obviously you kind of want to hold on, but this is going to be two years now where he hasn't played, played football. And I don't know. I, I think he's very talented, but it's very, tough especially to hold on to a roster spot that long the situation is definitely rife with complication I don't have incredibly strong feelings in the way that some people do and I from your reaction I would say that that's likely from your perspective I don't know if that's necessarily right nor wrong I just don't seem to have the same visceral reaction that some people have had for this situation Frankly, I know how millionaires and billionaires act, especially when they think they can get away with stuff. And the fact that he's supposedly enabled by a NFL franchise, I think the implications beyond that are partially what's going to happen to bring down the suspension because they don't want to make one of their franchisees vulnerable to 
whatever lawsuits may come their way. I think that's a big part of this. Additionally, I don't I, have, I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a horse in the race either way. Like I don't really care. I just think that from what everyone else has been suspended for and the level of severity, for example, Kelvin Ridley for betting on football compared to something that he has done repeated, repeatedly and being enabled by a franchise. You know, he set out last year because of his own choice. I was, I have a, just a really hard time feeling bad for Deshaun Watson when you sit out now, it's going to be two year, year and a half or whatever, get paid a crap ton of money guaranteed either way. Like I just don't have any hard feelings for him. I certainly don't either. He kind of locked himself into a bad position as far as what was going on with that franchise to begin with, but his actions are clearly reprehensible. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. I know it, pretty much everybody knows it at this point because it's somewhat confirmed, especially with now that they've reached some type of settlement. He can deny all he wants, but in the court of public opinion, he will have done at least to a degree what he is accused of doing. So I really don't think there's any wiggle room around that. But as far as leverage and vulnerability of a NFL franchise, the NFL is there to pre- protect its owners and its franchisees. And I think that this puts a lot of stress under the situation, given the amount of implications that are involved. Now that the Texans are implicated directly in enabling this, if you put an entire team under that and put them in a mode where it looks like they are going to be vulnerable to not only this lawsuit, but discovery, the NFL will reach a settlement immediately. I mean, it's the same situation that they had with Kaepernick. They did not want to go to discovery. They're going to find this in the Daniel Snyder case when it comes to the revenue sharing issue. The NFL is in a lot of legal trouble and they will always take the first and quickest, easiest exit. And to me, the easiest exit is to say, Deshaun Watson, you're suspended for basically half of the season and then we'll move on because they want to get this at least a significant number of games that says, okay, we mean business and it's a little bit more than the like Ray Rice situation and how badly they botched that to begin with. But also we want to be able to move past this quickly and turn the page so that we don't have to talk about it anymore because that's been the playbook of the NFL with every major scandal about any of their players for a decade, at least the entire Roger Goodell era. I can't remember a situation where they haven't tried to quickly move past whatever PR nightmare they're in. I don't really think this is going as quickly as any of them wanted to do. I know they were trying to do an indefinite suspension, but like I said, I think the players association is fighting back on that because they have plenty of instances where people did such things as well and didn't get as much time. Correct. I think that who was the guy is a Greg Hardy. I mean, and the stuff that he's talked about or alleged to have done and I don't know if you can call it that they excused it, but he did receive a significant suspension, but I don't remember it being an entire year. So uh, it, uh, I don't want to compare crimes. Let, let's move off of the topic and get back to where I had intend, intended this to go. 
let's say, for example, and maybe this is something that we're going to run into because I don't feel like I can draft Deshaun Watson with any confidence as my number one quarterback going into this year. But you know that the talent is there. And if you can harness what he was before he left, but there's no guarantees that he's there. Does this significantly drop him down the quarterback board for you as far as a dynasty prospect? Or is this somebody that you look at or treat as maybe like a rookie quarterback situation where you may take him with the promise that something's going to be there, but maybe a year from now, that's when it'll be realized. And this is more just prospect hunting the quarterback draft class. I know some people draft him based on the fact that they assume he will be playing this year until he's not playing this year. Uh, I mean, for me, it's everything just goes about how your team looks. If you have a team that you look to compete right now, then no, you're not drafting him. If you have a team that you're looking to compete in a couple years to, yeah, then you're drafting him. I don't really think there is a solid black or white answer and there never should be in fantasy. It should always be evaluating what you have going on on your team. So let me ask it this way then and maybe sum up the conversation. Would you draft him as the first quarterback on a team? No. I don't think I would either, and I think that's going to significantly drop him down this board. All right. So any predictions otherwise for how this or these two rounds are going to go? Now, like I kind of said earlier, I think at this point in the draft, it's everybody has how they feel about certain people and it's not really going to match up with everybody else. So there may be what seems to be surprises, but at this point in the draft, it's all just throwing darts at a board anyway. All righty then. So let's get into drafting. We'll begin the seventh round as we do every odd-numbered round with Team 1, and that has currently on the roster Jamar Chase, Delvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Chris Godwin, Tyreek Hill, and Marquise Brown. And I really considered at the end of round six drafting a quarterback here. If anybody's listened to that episode, I was a little bit perturbed that uh, Kyler Murray was taken right in front of that. I think that given that this team does not have a tight end or a quarterback, it is a stars-driven league. And the fact that you have Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon on this team, I'm going to triple up and I will do it. I will go Joe Burrow here. Can't argue that. Get the quarterback you want, young quarterback, a lot of promise. Yeah, can't argue that. I just like really doubling up on certain teams, particularly quarterback and top receiver. I'm going to take with this next pick, I'm going to take Keenan Allen, somebody who is just consistent, consistent, consistent. You know what you're going to get out of him each and every year. He's got a young, strong quarterback in Justin Herbert. I feel like it's a very, very safe pick at this point in the draft with a team that I think could compete right away. Fair enough. A little bit older for a wide receiver, but given who you have on this team, you already have two younger wide receivers. This is going to be a guy that can help you right away and clearly going to be in a good offense. He's been a consistent fantasy producer when he's been healthy. I think he only missed two years due to freak injuries. So I can't fault the pick at all. At age 30, you're really thinking about, okay, 31, 32 is really the drop-off. How many good seasons does he have left? All right. So then that puts us at pick number three in our seventh round here. And just taking a look, Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler, Mark Andrews, David Montgomery, 
J.K. Dobbins, and Amon Ross St. Brown. This team's lacking in star power at the wide receiver position, and this area of the draft is pretty deep at wide receiver yet. I don't necessarily need a younger guy. I need somebody with some consistent production. And there's not a name that jumps out at me necessarily. So I guess if I'm going to draft, I guess, a little younger and get somebody with some potential long-term value, just based on what he's done the last couple of years, developing a rapport, a guy that could be a number one receiver on his own team eventually, I'll go Darnell Mooney here. Interesting. For me, he's just... I don't have any opinion on him one way or another. Um, I know he is the target in Chicago, but I'm still not there on the Chicago offense being that much better, which is really frustrating because I think Justin Fields could be a really good quarterback. I just don't, after being on the earth as long as I have, watching as many Chicago Bears games as I have, I just have a really hard time trusting the Bears, and I think that's kind of where I'm at. Well, They haven't structured an offense or brought in a coordinator that I think is going to structure an offense around what Justin Fields does best, a la Lamar Jackson, where they clearly designed a system around what he does best and to maximize his talents. So I think they're going to struggle with that a little bit, particularly because I don't see Justin Fields being great in the Kyle Shanahan type of offense that I would assume the former Green Bay Packers offensive coach that came in, Luke Getze, I think he was the quarterback's coach, is going to establish in Chicago. That being said, Darnell Mooney was the only worthwhile fantasy player for most of the year on the Bears last season. Given the amount of injuries that you had with both David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert and missing time and the fact that Allen Robinson just was kind of a shell of himself. It seemed like he kind of quit on the team at times. I think that they're going to have to throw the ball because the the bears are not going to be good. And he's likely to see a lot of volume. It also to me seems that he's the only major pass catcher outside of maybe Cole Komet on this team. And as such, even if they increase their pass rate a little bit due to the amount of times that they're behind that he could see a high level of volume. I know there are some people predicting a breakout more or less of him this year. I would have to see an uptick in his efficiency, but given the status where he's at in his career, he's 24 and he's playing with a younger quarterback and could be the number one receiver. That's why I kind of go here because comparative to some of the other wide receivers at this spot, I think he has the most chance for long-term success. All great reasons. I mean, I I understand where you're coming from. I I really, really do. It's just, I don't know. There's other people that I have ranked higher than him that I would have taken at this point. And it's kind of just exactly what I said earlier. Like at this point in the draft, everyone's rankings are completely different. Everyone views people completely different. So, I mean, if that's how you feel about the guy, no skin off my nose, you know what I mean? (laughs) All right, for me, um, this is one of my favorite teams, uh, a lot of youth. And I think I'm going to add to that youth, but still proven youth. Need a running back, so I'm going to take Josh Jacobs. Um, Still pretty young for as long as he's been in the league, um, what, 24, 25, something like that. Devontae Adams 
Adams being in the offense should open a couple more things up, you would feel. I still think that he can be a pretty decent asset in the receiving game and just getting a starting quarter or starting running back this late in the draft just feels way too good to be true. So now are you concerned at all given that they drafted a running back a little bit higher in Zamir White? He remains without a contract extension with the Raiders, and this may only be a one-year kind of rental. I mean, he's not going to fall off the face. We just don't know who he's playing for next, but the youth will still be there. He'll still have plenty of pretty decent years ahead of him. Again, him, this I can't complain one bit. I just don't see him playing for the Raiders beyond this season. I don't see the Raiders after they invested so much money in Devontae Adams and Derek Carr over the offseason that they're going to want to build around this guy necessarily and give him big money. So they may move on, and it's going to be a question of where he lands. That's that's the biggest concern and why I think he slipped to this point. All right, let's go to team number five. This team has C.D. Lamb, Christian McCaffrey, Cam Akers, Traylon Burks, Leonard Fournette, and Travis Kelsey. So I guess I was wrong earlier when I said there were only two tight ends off the board. So this team has yet to have a quarterback. It also could use a little bit more depth at wide receiver, a rookie and a relatively young but promising young star. I could see a couple of different places that I would really like to go, but given his age and what he might be able to produce and what he was able to produce for a good portion of last year before it seemed like teams kind of took him away in the game planning against the Chargers, I'm going to take Mike Williams here. I love the pick in Mike Williams. I had him. I still have him on my fantasy team. Still somebody that I think is going to build off of what he did last year. Started off very, very, very fast. Kind of ended the season a little slow. But still somebody that I think, especially with Keenan Allen aging, there's a lot of people think that Mike Williams is going to kind of take over this offense. That's still yet to be seen. But great pick, great value this late in the draft. For me, it's just a matter of can he stay consistently healthy? He seems to generate a lot of, you know, one game missed here for a quad injury, one game missed here due to a hyperextended knee type of situation. And his ability to be a consistent performer seems limited by his nagging injuries. But we know that the talent was there. I think he was a number seven overall pick in his particular draft. And he's playing with Justin Herbert in a fairly productive offense. I think that if he were to stay healthy and on the field and the Chargers offense figured out how to get him the ball the way they were early on in the year before teams really started to try and take him away, I think that he could be a very high-level fantasy performer. I think he was the number one wide receiver in fantasy uh, through like week six last year. And then the floor just kind of fell out. But even where we're at in the draft, to add this guy who might be a good younger prospect, I think he's 27 right now, and then eventually that uh, this could be his prime to pair with C.D. Lamb is probably your top two performers, and then have a rookie like Traylon Burks behind that, I think that is a decent value with where this team is at, even though you know I, I think I've said before this team is kind of one of the smorgasbord teams. I'm not really sure if this has a common thread or strategy. I think I've just been picking the best guy on the board as it comes to me for this particular team. 
All right, let's go to your team six. Uh, for me, I'm going to pick Devontae Smith, uh, somebody that I'm kind of surprised is still hanging on to the board after only, you know, having one year. Still somebody very, very, very young. I think 24 years old will be 24 when the season rolls around. And I think we're going to see a huge improvement from Jalen Hurts and just the um, Philly offense in general. Yes, A.J. Brown is in town. Yes, that's going to take away some targets. Yes, that's going to take away some touchdowns and all that as well. But we all know the type of player, the type of route runner that uh, Devontae Smith is another year under his belt. This is normal for wide receivers to kind of, you know, start slow to their career. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, we've said a million times, is not is not normal. Um, so I look to see Devontae Smith kind of take off a little bit this year. I'm not going to yet call it a breakout, but I, I think he takes a huge step forward this year. Now, knowing that you've gotten into trouble before with trying to overpromise on Eagles wide receivers, there are some pretty significant red flags to me here notably being that the Eagles offense didn't take off until the second half of the year when they became predominantly a running team and also how they lost their playoff game, which was Tampa basically stuffed the run and dared them to throw the football and Jalen Hurts could not beat them through the air because he is not a talented passer. I think there are some clear issues with that. And then add in AJ Brown, who is very efficient on very few targets He knows how to play on a run first team that does a lot of play action and deep shots. And I just don't know how many balls there are going to be to go around in this offense that clearly is predicated on running the ball first and then trying to maybe throw for some big plays on the back end of it. If that's going to be the case, I know the Eagles have wanted a dominant number one wide receiver. That's why they drafted two in consecutive drafts but then they used basically their first round pick to get AJ Brown and then paid him the contract. There is almost nothing to me that says they were comfortable with the two guys that they drafted ahead of time. And that's why I didn't bother picking him at any spot because I think he's much further down the board for me as far as value than where this is currently at, even though coming off of his collegiate career where he set all kinds of records and the fact that he's still pretty young and the talent you would think is there, he's just not a guy that I'm investing highly on in dynasty right now. That is a lot of negative talk for a dude that's only been in the league for a year with the type of pedigree that he has. I hear what you're saying, but um, I think Jalen hurts comes back a different quarterback this year. I think he has to come back a different quarterback this year. I think they know what they got beat by in the playoff game. And I think they're not going to kind of let that happen again. That's why they want two wide receivers. I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is going to throw for 400 yards a game and he's going to support two fantasy-relevant wide receivers, but to think that Devontae Smith can't be a wide receiver too, I feel like is a little little early for me to kind of write him off like that. I would think much differently of him if he were in Jacksonville, if he were in Kansas City. In any offense that isn't based on what we're currently seeing, And I don't think it has anything to do with him individually per se. I think it has more to do with what the organization and how they've structured themselves and how they want to run their offense and who his quarterback is more than anything else. To say that he's going to be a wide receiver too, I think is a gross stretch. I barely think that he is going to be a wide receiver for this year. 
AJ Brown's going to be possible in wide receiver two territory. He's not breaking the top 10 this year. So if that's the case, how the hell is Devontae Smith going to get enough targets and efficiency to be a wide receiver two? That, that floors me, but uh, very different evaluations. Apparently team seven, Kyle Pitts, Cooper cup, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. So it has a high quality tight end on this team. There are three tight ends that are pretty close together on the board, but I think given what you have at receiver and what you have at running back right now, I could see going with somebody else that can kind of fill in the gap, but I think you can get that on the way back. So I'm going to go with kind of an interesting thought here. And I know he's only 29, so he's kind of got some youth on his side. And this isn't necessarily a guy that I'm huge on, but that has at least been a fantasy consistent starter and been in the top 10, I think, every year of his career. I'll go with Dak Prescott here. Safe. I mean, we know what we're going to get from Dak. Nothing more, nothing less. Pretty much. I mean, Uh, this is a low floor or excuse me, high floor kind of quarterback pick. And given what you have on the rest of the team, you're not going to do terribly you're not necessarily going to be outstanding, but with where we're at at quarterbacks, you can always take another one that's a project and kind of work on it, but this guy's not going to lose you games necessarily. All right. Kind of getting to the nitty gritty here, and I am going to take a chance, and I'm going to take Brandon Cooks, Um, somebody extremely underrated. Somebody extremely underrated, but year after year puts up relevant fantasy numbers where you can throw him into your lineup and you feel good about what he's going to give you. I feel like at this point in the draft with, especially with the last pick that you took, I mean, it's just safe. You're looking for something that you depend on. I'm not looking to gamble anything crazy still this early, but you know, you know what you're going to get with Brandon cooks, nothing crazy. Consistency is some, the pick that I'm looking for at this point in the draft. Now, do you make this pick predicated on the fact of what he's done before and it really doesn't matter which team he's on, so he could end up on the Texans? Or is this somewhat of a hopeful pick, thinking that the Texans are going to probably, since he's been in a lot of trade rumors, try and trade him off to someplace else at some point? You know, if you can put up what you did with Davis Mills, and I think he's kind of an underrated quarterback, the Texans seem to believe in him. But if you can put up what you did with him, I feel like you're kind of quarterback proof. Obviously, he had better numbers at the end with Deshaun Watson. And after Will Fuller had been suspended for the end of that year, I think most people or most wide receivers would have benefited from that. The only thing that concerns me is, is that he is not matchup proof, but he does put up consistent numbers depending on who they're playing and he has a high volume given that he is pretty much the only dominant wide receiver target on the team. So I think I would be hopeful that you might be able to get even more out of him, but he at least has a good mid-level floor that I think will be consistent enough. This isn't necessarily a pick that you're hoping for the high ceiling, but uh, based on where this team is at with picks like Antonio Gibson and Ezekiel Elliott, Devonte Adams. It's a team that's probably in win now mode anyway. And I think that Brandon cooks is going to fit in well with where you have picked this team so far. So team nine has T Higgins, Debo Samuel, Derek Henry, Drake, London, 
A.J. Dillon, and Patrick Mahomes. So this is currently lacking a tight end. It has a couple of young wide receivers, well, three young wide receivers, and only one back. But again, I think with where the running back position is right now, could probably get a decent one on the way back. So I will go with a younger tight end in this particular instance, and I'll go T.J. Hawkinson. That's interesting. I'm interested to hear your reason why. We both know the talents there. I think quarterback has been a hindrance and health has been a hindrance. And he really didn't score a lot of touchdowns so far, but I do think that eventually they are coming and that this offense has so much talent around it that he could be a producer. I think this is somewhat of a hopeful pick, but this is a team where I felt like I could take a risk on a tight end backing it up with a quarterback that I took in the last round with Patrick Mahomes. And so I took the youngest of the three potential options that has some health issues in Darren Waller, George Kittle, and TJ Hawkinson. I pretty much put them all in a roughly the same category and I could have taken any one of them, but Hawkinson's the youngest of all of them. And I think has had the least amount of either off the field or health issues to staying on the field so far. So if it's a choice between all three of them and I'm splitting hairs, I'll take the guy that's the youngest one that seems to be surrounded by more talent than just about anybody else, even though the the other two have produced at least a big fantasy tight end season so far in their careers. I mean, just for me, it's so much potential that he just hasn't lived up to yet. You know, he's kind of, for me, he's just kind of at that point where it's like, you know, where Evan Ingram is. He put up that really great first year and then it was like, all right, come on, do something. And it's been a lack of that, but at this point of the draft, you're kind of hoping, you know, praying that you can get something um, super, super nice. I just don't well, know if for me personally, I would have gone with TJ, but. One of the few concerns that I have right now is that they did alter their offense significantly from the first half of the year when DeAndre Swift was running the ball heavily, but was also getting a lot of checkdowns. And if they change quarterbacks, this might move the needle as to how many targets he's eventually going to get. But I seem to think that the way this offense runs, it's a split between volume of targets between him, Amon Ross St. Brown and Deandre Swift. And right now, especially when the other two Swift and Hawkinson were out for significant portions of the end of the year, St. Brown ended up having that explosion. Now, if you add both of them back in healthy, how is that going to go? But again, this guy was picked number five overall, and we've been basically trying to predict his burst out at some point. You're hopeful that it'll come. And I think that, especially with the cavern at tight end that it could be and how much I love the tight end advantage, if you can really hit on the one that's going to produce, to me, this is worth the potential of him flailing out. So now you have consecutive picks for a team that currently houses A.J. Brown, Brees Hall, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, Ken Walker the third, and Elijah Moore. So all running backs and receivers on this team so far. Yeah, I kind of hate this team. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This isn't my favorite team that I have um, uh, drafted. But uh, the first pick I am going to take, uh, Trevor Lawrence. I don't know, trying to insert some youth into the squad. Pair with Brees Hall. Hopefully that takes you a couple years someplace special. But like I said, I really don't like this team all that much. 
And then with the next pick, I don't know. Normally I'm, I have it all. Well, let me filibuster then on Trevor okay. Lawrence. For yeah, you, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I've seen some very hopeful expectancy out of fantasy experts so far going this year that given how bad he was last year under urban Meyer and the lack of cohesion, the lack of coaching, it seemed to have that given there were guys that were running routes into the, basically into each other in the middle of the field that he can't be any worse. And that there were some flashes where he was exceptional, but it does give you a little bit of pause from maybe thinking that he's as big a prospect. I mean, for most people, you think back a year ago, he was a can't miss prospect. He was the next coming of Andrew Luck or John Elway or whatever. Insert top of the draft quarterback name here. Guy, best guy you've ever evaluated type of thing. He was the can't miss quarterback at the top of the draft. And to see him struggle as much as it as he did obviously gave me some pause. But if you still think that that potential talent is there, and I think that pairing him with Doug Peterson, who clearly got a lot out of Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, I think there is some potential there where he could very well end up being a productive starter here, even as soon as this year. It's uh, picked over maybe a couple of other guys that would have been safer, but given where this team is at, and the fact that your two running backs are both the top two rookies out of the draft this year, I can't fault you for it. All right. Did that give you enough time to make your other selection? <laughs> That's just kind of, yeah. Yeah. I got, I got my next pick. And I, again, don't feel I, I'm going to take a tight end. I'm going to take Darren Waller. You know, that's with this team, there's a little youth. There's a little, there's a little middle age. I don't see anyone that's super old, but uh, Darren Waller, tight end, good target, good touchdowns. I really don't like this team. <laughs> you only have a couple of guys that I would say are kind of quote unquote long in the tooth. Otherwise, this is a fairly young team. This is probably your second youngest team. AJ Brown's only been in the league, I think, four years now, or this will be his fourth year. Terry McLaurin, I think, is the same draft as AJ Brown. And Mike Evans is a little bit older. Darren Waller's a little bit older, but. You've got a second-year quarterback. You've got a second-year wide receiver in Elijah Moore and two rookie running backs. I can't say that this team couldn't very well be the three-time champ, you know, five years from now. Honestly, if I had this team, like if this was a team sitting in front of me right now, so I would hold on to some pieces, but I would be very, very active in the trade market trying to get more picks. And I think I would probably take advantage of that if I were – uh, somebody else. Hey, man. I don't think this is the worst lineup that you have right now. Thanks. For me, that's team eight. And that one's coming up in a second. But first, we'll get to team nine. So team nine. You hate Zeke Elliott, don't you? Oh, I really do. Like at All this right, point, it's become go. personal. Team like, nine. Team nine. Let's fucking go. <laughs> All right. So I was talking about a running back that you'd probably take on the way back. Somebody that you probably needed to fill in the gap. There isn't an obvious guy that sticks out on the board to me. We've taken most of the most likely candidates, but he's been a guy that he's produced when he stayed on the field. And yes, I know he's 27, but I have to assume that he's going to get the majority of the carries at least for this year. So he could be a stopgap 
I don't see any other great answers unless you're going to probably overreach for like, let's say a uh, James Cook or maybe a Devin Singletary out of the Bills system. So I'm going to go reluctantly, but with James Conner here. I don't hate that pick. He was very, very good in the Arizona offense last year. He really was. Um, And he was really, really good with his stint in Pittsburgh as well. He's just somebody that is consistently underrated, but consistently outperforms his ADP. I was hoping James Conner would be around for some of my other teams here earlier that are competing, but I, I can't argue that pick right there. I for sure would have taken him by the end of this round. So Kingsbury in two years has made double digit touchdowns for Kenyon Drake and James Conner. And yes, you can say that they don't run the ball as much as other teams, but you can't argue with that touchdown production and the consistency of it. So if he stays on the field, you're going to be almost guaranteed a touchdown every other week. And I can't argue with that being a guy to back up if you ever have injuries at your other two running back spots, or at least a flex play. Okay, now okay, your team okay. eight that I have so many qualms with. I don't want to hear any of them. And this will probably just add to the debauchery of the whole thing. So I am going to take James Cook here, this pick. Um, Somebody that I just personally have a huge question mark on. I just don't know exactly what he's going to be. Is he going to take over the backfield? Maybe. Is he just going to be the receiving back that comes in? Maybe. I still think either in either um, role that he has, he'll still be fantasy relevant. Mm -hmm. But this is my first kind of like shot in the dark, hoping that it pays out for me. So um, I'm going to go James Cook. All right. So that puts us back on the Dak Prescott team from a moment ago. And I think this is actually a pretty good win now team. It has a decent mix of some wide receivers that are younger, has a good tight end that I think is going to break out this year. But I think that it could still use some wide receiver talent that's a little bit more experienced, that is possibly in a little bit more of a win now mode. So hoping that... I guess to a certain degree, he will be available more often than not this year. I'm going to go with a guy that has a high floor, but never really a high ceiling. And I'll go Amari Cooper here. I was wondering when he was going to go. He's not a guy that I I would necessarily have picked here had it not been a really good fit. But given that two of the three wide receivers on this team are rookies, I just think that you need somebody that's got some experience and that could be the number one white, well, is likely to be the number one receiver on his own team, even if that team is mostly predicated on running the football. I think he's going to probably produce about seven to eight points most weeks and that you can probably put him in a flex position. And then there will be one of those weeks where he'll have two touchdowns or more and end up having a huge week. And you'll be glad that you started him, but, I think this is a guy that doesn't have a huge ceiling, but has a pretty low consistent floor. It just depends on the amount of volume he's going to see in this offense. Yeah. um, I mean, for Coop, I, for me, it's just, I, I don't know. There's so many unanswered questions. That's just it for me. Who his quarterback is all that fun stuff. There's just so many unknown questions. Oh, absolutely. I can't fault that. And that's why I Um, think I took him a little bit sooner than I was expecting, but To me, this seemed like the right fit or the right team to take him at this spot. 
So team six, your selection here with Najee Harris, Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore, Travis Etienne, Justin Herbert, Cortland Sutton, and Devontae Smith. Um, I thought about going tight end here, but I just don't really like it for the flow of my team. I feel like I need another running back, so I am going to take a shot in the dark, and I'm going to take CEH. Still unproven. Really just a dude, like a couple years ago, he was the guy to have, right? Right offense, a lot of potential. I still think he can be fantasy relevant. Hoping taking him this year that um, it is kind of his breakout year, but I feel like a lot of that has kind of just gone up in smoke, but just looking for someone that can be a productive part of the part of the team. So this was a guy that was consistently by everybody, including myself, ranked ahead of Jonathan Taylor. And obviously in hindsight, that looks terrible. That being said, it's a guy that I thought had a tremendous amount of upside coming into this offense and that they would do more with, but it doesn't seem like they've gotten him the balls that he needs to, or the volume that he needs to, to be productive. And unless they're going to change their formula, which I think they're going to have to with no Tyreek Hill this year, I just have question marks myself. And because I've been burned so many times on this guy already two or three years in it, just, I don't know. I don't, feel like I can be as confident in picking him as I was the last two years. But if he somehow breaks out all of a sudden the post hype sleeper, or he's going to be in one of the best positions to really take advantage of that. If it ends up being the case, if he hits, you know, sky's the limit. All right. Team five again. So this one has C.D. Lamb, Christian McCaffrey, Cam Akers, Traylon Burks, Leonard Fournette, Travis Kelsey, and Mike Williams. Has a good mix of just about everybody on the market. And I wouldn't say that there's any one position outside of maybe quarterback. But again, nobody really stands out to me here. This is kind of the Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts kind of range. And I don't know if it's a spot that I want to be risky or not with, but maybe we'll go with a little bit more upside as far as a guy that is going to be in a system that when they draft wide receivers, they have tended to produce or at least turn out with the exception being maybe Chase Claypool right lately. So I'm going to take George Pickens here. Wow. A guy I thought I could wait around on a little bit more. Um, We all know how I feel about George Pickens. I think if he gets his head out of his ass, he could be the top wide receiver in this class, but that still remains to be seen, but he's in the right spot. I feel like he's got the right coach. So this is the best opportunity that he's going to have to show his immense talent. He is a younger prospect. He's 21 at this point. He was thought of as possibly being the number one wide receiver coming into this draft class until he had some off the field issues and some injuries and some stuff going on. But again, I think the pedigree being there, he's a guy that you can reach on a little bit and this team can afford to take another shot in the dark a little bit at wide receiver since it has at least two guys that you think can start right away and another rookie wide receiver to pretty much back that up. So I didn't think it was a great position to reach on quarterback. So go with a young wide receiver that you can help develop or keep stashed on your bench for a little bit and see what he turns into. So back to your favorite team so far. 
Yeah, one of my favorites for sure. Um, I'm going to add a tight end, and I think you're going to kind of be surprised at the tight end I take, but I am going to take Dalton Schultz. 26 years old, a lot of targets have opened up in this offense with Michael Gallup still not being fully healthy and with Amari Cooper um, now in Cleveland. Very familiar um, with Dak Prescott. And like I said, it's kind of just him and um, C.D. Lamb at this point improving wide receiver options. Yeah, Jalen Tolbert, he's going to be a little bit of a factor, but safety net is the tight end. And I think Dalton Schultz is, again, going to surprise a lot of people this year. I think that this might be a little bit sooner than I would have necessarily taken him, but I can't fault the pick. It's a guy that I, I agree with all of your arguments. And I, at least for this year, for the, probably the first half of the season, can't imagine coming off the field very often. The Cowboys line is a little bit in flux. They lost their right tackle to, I think, the Bengals this year. And so I do think that they're going to overload at tight end a little bit, be a little bit more run heavy, given the questions at wide receiver right now. So it's probably the second most reliable target on the team. And you would expect that a lot of double coverage will be shifted to CD Lamb. This guy could clearly produce underneath and see the benefits of it. So I can't fault the pick. I know that you're not going to be particularly high on George Kittle, who is probably the only other tight end considered in this range. All right. Team three, which also may be a favorite of mine, at least with kind of how it started. And this team does not currently have a quarterback. Again, Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler, Mark Andrews, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Darnell Mooney. And I think this is star power heavy. It's got several good people at the top. It's got a good mix of wide receivers and running backs. And I still think it might be a little bit early for some quarterbacks here. I think I could probably get some star power coming back around on this team. So I feel I can stretch out and maybe take another rookie wide receiver for this team. I'm going to go Sky Moore here, again, based on potential. Yeah, nothing more, nothing less, right? Don't know too much more about him other than that. Good offense, good prospect. We'll see how he turns out. Again, I can. I feel like I can take a reach. It's three consecutive wide receivers, all that are younger, to kind of pair with your star wide receiver and hope one of them hits. Kind of the same strategy you're currently taking by trading away a lot of your assets for younger wide receivers and draft picks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Moving on to team two, a team I enjoy um, a little bit as well. And I think I'm going to add another young wide receiver again, that has the potential to be very, very good, but needs to get out of his own way. And that's uh, Kadarius Tony. Interesting. Okay. So you're a little bit higher or at least not as scared of the Giants offensive system now with Brian Dable there? It's more of I really like him as a route that's in um, New York right now, but it's also a huge risk for those reasons for his quarterback, for himself too. He's got to keep his head on his shoulders, and there's a lot of question marks. There really, really are, but we're going to see kind of how it pans out. Does it bother you that he was in a lot of trade rumors already this offseason? That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't know. There's just so many questions about him, about his offense, about his attitude, about if even want him there. But, yeah, he has talked about way more this offseason for only being your second year in the league. All right. So, given that this last pick that I'm going to make for uh, the night – is lacking a tight end, and I do feel a little bit more comfortable taking him 
given the amount of elite talent elsewhere on the board. I think it's a nice value pick given what he can produce when he's on the field. I will take George Kittle as the last pick in the eighth round. I'm surprised he went this long, and I would have been really surprised if you hit him in this two rounds just because I know how much you like him. Well, he does, I think, still hold the individual record for receiving yardage by a tight end in the season. We know that he can get and handle severe volume as a pass catcher and that he is immensely talented. For him, it's always been health, staying on the field consistently because he's had a lot of significant or lingering small-term injuries, and he just cannot stay on the field consistently. But then factor in he's 28 already. I think that comparatively in grasping at straws a little bit to differentiate these guys, he's a guy that I think lasted this long partially because of the age and the health situation. I don't think there's an argument with the talent. All right. Any last thoughts for the evening? No, just getting down to the nitty gritty. That's all. Oh, we've got a long way to go, my friend. Long way. I know it may seem like this is the back half of your redraft league, but this is why these mock startups are going to be fun. We've still got 16 rounds to go. Yikes. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Definitely will. Thank you to all the listeners and dynasty players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be back again soon for rounds nine and 10 of our summer series startup draft. But until then, be safe, everyone. Have a fun summer. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com, or you can now message us on the new RonnieDuncanStudios.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm, or find me on TikTok at TJ3Duncan. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.